Welcome, you guys watching online. Um, we are in 40 days of prayer. And notice there is communion available if you're walking with the Lord right here at the front. Also, during 40 days of prayer, the names of people that we love and care about who need the Lord. How many have some of those? Hold your hand up. Put their name on one of those sticky notes as an act of prayer. And let's all agree that the Lord will show up powerfully in their lives. Well, we are returning to our study in the book of Revelation. We're getting close to the end, chapter 20. Hold your Bibles up. You got your Bibles? Let's see them. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Lord, as we study, we just ask, make it clear what we need to see. Change us. And Lord, uh, give us tender hearts. We ask this in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. Okay, Revelation chapter 20. Uh, we left off a couple of weeks ago, uh, verse 6. We start in verse number 7. And there is so much in just four verses. We couldn't do more than four verses today. So follow me. I'm reading out a New American Standard. It says, when the thousand years are completed, how many years? Satan will be released from his prison. Uh-oh. Will come out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth. And two players are mentioned here that are mentioned in Ezekiel 38 39, Gog and Magog, to gather them together for battle or war. And the number of them is a couple of hundred. Is that what it says? It's like the sand of the seashore. And they came up on the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints, which are Christians, and the beloved city. We'll talk about that. And fire came down from heaven and devoured them. It's a very short rebellion. And the devil, everyone say devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast we've studied about him that is the antichrist and the false prophet are there and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever now follow with me and take notes okay First off, we've, we've studied weeks past about the millennium, that thousand years of peace and prosperity on the earth. And during that time, it's my guesstimate that the memory of evil will fade on the earth during Christ's thousand year reign. And thousand year reign is called what? The millennium. The scripture tells us that the devil will be released from the abyss. Everyone say abyss for a short time. That is a place where he is imprisoned. I love this painting. Here we see Lucifer, the fallen angel or the devil in chains with two mighty captors standing before the throne of the Lord Jesus about to be sentenced to this place but what he does is he leads a new rebellion new group of people into a suicide assault why suicide it is doomed to fail why would you be so stupid to do this against christ and his people and it will not end very well for him now, here's the question of all questions. I've read this passage many times, and for maybe 30 years, I went, Lord, I don't understand this. This makes absolutely no sense. Uh, can you help me and give me a feel for why you would do this? Of course, he doesn't ha have to tell me anything. It's one of the most puzzling passages in all the Bible. My job as a pastor is to tell you what the scripture says. We can count on it. 
My interpretation, uh, I'm going to be off somewhat. But you wrestle with it. You deal with it. Now, what we're going to see in these four verses, possible reasons why the father released the greatest criminal of all time for a short time. We're going to see those, and maybe it'll make sense to you. Who is this guy? Pablo Escobar. Murdered a lot of people. Number one drug lord in the world. Devastated a lot of lives in America. Went to prison, escaped from prison, finally shot down on a rooftop. Why would you let that guy out? Why would you let such a dangerous man out? And then we have Ted Bundy. A man that took at least 50 lives of innocent people. He did escape and he did create more harm before he was apprehended again. And then who's the guy in the middle? Charles Manson, the crazy guy. Could you imagine releasing that guy on Los Angeles again? And does anybody know who this guy is? This is a Unabomber, Ted Klazinski. And he is the only one still on the planet alive. He's in a supermax in Colorado where the sun doesn't shine. And I hope he never gets out because of the damage he did to so many people. So you ask the question, Lord, why would you do this? This makes no sense. Well, let me give you three reasons. One is, I'm sure there was intergalactic talk about the Father's swift dealings with Lucifer and Satan. And so he's been in prison for a thousand years, a literal thousand years. But he has been completely unchanged. And despite his constant pleadings, and in spite of his promised obedience, now notice on the screen I put a question mark. This is my imagination. When you read the scriptures, especially Revelation, try to think and picture the events, not just the words. And I can imagine this deceiver for 1,000 years, unrelenting bargaining, making promises that he would never keep. And in this Galactic prison called the abyss. Years ago, it was thought that the purpose of prison is rehabilitation. You'd give people a chance to start their life over. And a lot of my friends that have been there, their lives have been changed. They found Christ and they're the most wonderful people I've ever met. But there's some people so vicious and so wicked, they should never see the light of day again because they won't change. And this is one of them. And he is a former angelic leader who convinced one-third of the angelic majesties to revolt with him before the earth was created. And he was one of three archangels. He greatly loved the Father and then turned against the Father, the Scripture says. So here's, here's the key. I want you on your outline to circle the word document. Everyone say document. So when he is released, it completely documents the character of Lucifer, the devil, Satan. That his pride has never been bent. He will not humble himself. He will not see the wrong he has done to the universe And he is full of bitterness. Now, I have been bitter over things that happened in my life. And I think most people have times where they've been bitter because of what others did to them or mistakes others made. And bitterness is worse than having cancer. Because it's cancer of the soul. 
and it will destroy everything in you. So if you've been hurt and you got angry and you stayed angry longer than three days, the seed of bitterness got planted in your heart and it started growing. Some people say time heals all things. Time never heals bitterness. It always gets more lethal. And secretly he is vowing revenge, hoping or maybe knowing that he will be free one day and he will exact his pound of retribution. Now, God cannot fix these three things. I cannot fix these three things and others, and you cannot fix these three things. It's something that a person has to do before God themselves. And this creature has no change. And so it settles the question forever in the minds of angels, in the minds of humans, in the minds of others. So one is that Satan has not and will not change. The second reason that the father cannot be pointed a finger at. Because the father is completely wise all the time. He knows everything. And he knows the end even before it starts. So he is supremely wise. He is completely just. I don't want justice. I want mercy. How many want justice or how many want mercy? I want mercy because I'm guilty. I want mercy. I don't want justice. I don't want to get what I deserve. I want his mercy. But he is just in all of his rulings. And he's also entirely good. He's good. How much of the time? And all the time God is? He's good. He's good all the time. And don't let the devil tell you that God is not good. He is good. And also, this is not in your notes, he is the eternal one. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago when Moses had an encounter with him. He is kind all the time. He wants to show kindness. He is patient with us. Aren't you glad he's patient? And he is merciful. And does not want to judge us. But because he's just. Heaven knows. And the father knows. That all evil must be dealt with. Forever. And that's what we see here at the end of chapter 20. Now, are you tracking with me so far? So we get two reasons to demonstrate how wicked Satan is. The second reason is to demonstrate how wise and good God is. The third reason has to do with people. How, do you know, does anybody in the room know any people? Do you have any people in your family? Do you have any people in your neighborhood? You, do you have any people you work with? Or is anybody, is there a people beside you? For us people, we have some problems. And the Lord's going to speak to that. Because for 1,000 years on the earth, there's been paradise. No sickness, no war, no murder, no bad economy, no arguing. It's been pristine. It has been paradise. But secretly in the hearts of many humans on the planet during the thousand years they have secretly i don't think overtly because the king is on the throne in jerusalem they have secretly harbored the thought of still ruling their own lives you're not telling me what to do i'm going to do what i want to do and so they have secretly had this growing inside them and maybe outwardly they worship, outwardly they serve, but inwardly there's a resentment and a rejection of the rule of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And it's been growing on the planet. So therefore, the father allows the snake, everyone say snake, back in the garden. And it mirrors, watch me, how the Bible and the universe started in Genesis chapter 3. And then the very end in Revelation chapter 20. The very same Liar is back in the garden, back on planet Earth, and he will demonstrate something maybe you cannot define, but you've heard before. It's called the depravity of man. You ever heard of the word depravity? Can you define the word depravity? Here's a simple definition of what this biblical term means, depravity. It means We are disposed toward evil. We get cornered and we lie instead of telling the truth. We tend to gossip. We tend to think bad of each other. Now that's not, I mean, there's, I guess, degrees. But I have that in me. Do you have that in you? I'm disposed to having this lower fleshly nature that can be entirely selfish. The other thing we see is incurable nature of pride. Lucifer is in the prison. He's not listening. He's not bending. He is not bowing. He is not surrendering. And that's true of much in the human race. And they're even going to see it during the wonderful Time called the millennium. And no one during the millennium, they can blame sin or their poor choices or this choice. Well, oh, my dad, or I couldn't get a job, or I've been sick, or any number of things. Because it's been a paradise for 1,000 years. It's been a perfect environment. And yet... Human nature. Now, we talked about the millennium several weeks ago. It will be a perfect place, and in many ways, life will kind of continue like it is. Now, those of us, oh, I'm going to get in so much trouble here, I think I won't even go into that. But life will be somewhat normal during the millennium. There will be marriages, there will be babies born, people live to be long, old on the earth. There will be families on the earth during that time. And so the truth about the millennium will show this, that still in human hearts, we will find that some people will choose to love sin rather than to love God. It's going to happen again. And Satan will deceive the nations of the earth because that's what he does. He's a deceiver. He's a liar. How many of you have been deceived before? Hold your hands up. You've been deceived? I've been deceived. And I probably have things in my head today that are not actually how God sees them. Those are called strongholds. The longer you walk with the Lord, the more those strongholds will pull down. The more you're in the scripture the more you see the truth because the Holy Spirit shows us. But many of us will go to our grave with things in our head and things in our heart that are not biblically true. So since he was defeated at the cross and when Jesus came out of the grave, which we celebrate, he has no power. His power has been broken. The only power he has is power that we give him. And he is so persuasive that he's going to delude billions of people during this short interlude. Now, years ago, David Letterman was on TV and he used to talk about his top 10 list. And I've put together the top 10 list of the devil's lies. And you may want to check yours off as we go through them. The first one is there's many ways to God. 
many ways to God. Hinduism, Buddhism, Islam. Uh, and write your own religion. My Mormon friends, my Jehovah's Witness friends, wonderful, clean-cut, gracious people are deceived. And uh, everything from California is not always good. But you can write your own religion, and many people do. Now, this verse from Acts 4 Tells us about the man, Jesus Christ. Would you repeat it with me, please? There is salvation in no one else. There is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. He is the option. Line number nine. Well, you, you, you can never be forgiven because you've done so much evil. You've been away so long. You've done things you don't want anybody to ever find out, and that's a lie. We can be forgiven for anything if we come for forgiveness. Isaiah said, the father starts out that, that, that talk saying, come, let us reason. Let us talk. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Lie number three, uh, I guess it's going to be number eight going down. Well, you don't really need the church to live for God. I want to tell you that is a lie from the pit of hell, and it smells like smoke. The scripture says, don't forsake the assembling together as some people get in the habit of doing. I've been doing this a long time. I've seen a lot of people come to Christ. When people come to Christ, we're excited for them. We do all we can to get them in a local church, hopefully here, because we can take care of them and love them and know who they are. If they go to another church, great. But if they don't find a church family, here's what I know will happen. They will not do well. This is just too tough to do on your own. I've never met anybody smart enough, tough enough, strong enough to do it on their own. I couldn't do it. And yet the enemy wants to pull us away from people that will help us grow in our faith. That murdering guy, Saul of Tarsus, that became the Apostle Paul. In some ways, I feel like him. Because I hated the church. I didn't like Christians. I hated pastors in particular. But when I encountered Christ, all that melted away. And the greatest sign of my conversion was not that I stopped swearing like a sailor. Not that I stopped partying. took me about a year to do that. But I had an immediate love for God's people. Wherever they were. I went from hating to going, I want to give my life for Jesus' family wherever they are. Lie number seven. Well, as a Christian, you've been forgiven. Your name is in the book of life. It doesn't really matter how you live. You can live any way you want to. That is a lie. You have the Holy Spirit inside you who won't let you do that comfortably. And the Heavenly Father will take his belt off and come after you. Because he loves you. And life will not go well if you choose to walk in sin as a Christian. We just cannot do it. Here's another motivating fact. One day when you die, you'll stand before the judgment seat of Christ. This is not for sins because your sins are under the blood. They're forgiven and forgotten. But every one of us in this room will be rewarded for how long we served him, how well we served him. Did we use our gifts to help people find him and walk with him? Were we faithful with our life? And all of us are going to wish we did more. 
for the kingdom. Lie number six. Well, you can wait. Yeah, I know I need to get right with God, but I can do that later. Well, the scripture says this today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Lie number five. Well, it's too late, Steve. It's too late to serve Jesus. I've lived for decades. I've lived selfishly. I really haven't helped anybody. I'm not really, I don't know the scripture. I I can't really serve him. I'm in my retirement age or I'm 40 or whatever. Well, let me tell you, it's never too late. This is, uh, I was at the gym this week. This is my photograph. (laughs) Never too late. Moses started walking with God at age 80. It's never too late. If you're alive, you have a call on your life. If you're breathing and your heart works, you have a call and a purpose. And that purpose is not for yourself. It's for him and others. Lie number four. Man, this messed with me. Oh, you can never be free. You can never get over the addiction. You can never stop drinking. You can never stop gambling. You can never stop running around acting crazy sexually. You can never get free of that stuff. You can't change this lie mess with me. Because I had people witnessing to me and the main guy witnessing to me Asked me if I wanted to receive Christ. And I told him I wasn't ready. Do you know what I told him? I said, I want to be a Christian. I want to live for God. I want to live that way. But I go, I am too selfish. I am too much of a party boy. I can't change this. But here's what Jesus says. You'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. And if you're not free, it's because you don't know the truth. Or you're not applying the truth. Because God wants us to be free. We can be free. That is our destiny. The devil wants us bound. And number three. These get more significant. I don't believe in heaven. I don't believe in hell. There's no such places. Well here's what Jesus said. I go. To prepare a what? A what? A little louder, a a real place for you. That where I am, I want you to be. They have been working on this place for 2,000 years. And I've seen some beautiful places. It's more beautiful than Paris. This is Paris, France, not Paris. It is more beautiful than London. England, that's that's England. Sat in a hotel one night with beautiful glass windows watching this in a beautiful light snowstorm. More beautiful than Moscow was that night. More real than Moscow. More beautiful than any place on the face of the earth with all of them combined. And guess what? Jesus said, I'm preparing it for you. Specifically. For you. It's more real than we could imagine. Lie number two. Oh, yeah, you believe the Bible. I don't believe the Bible. It's a bunch of lies written by a bunch of people. It can't be trusted. Everybody that I know pours themselves into this book. It is life changing. Do you know why? Because the scripture says all scripture, all of this is inspired by God and it's profitable. Profitable means it will do you great 
good. For teaching, for correction, for reproof, for training in righteousness. And here's the biggest lie of all. Are you ready? How many of you guys have heard this lie? I heard it. Well, God may love some people, but he doesn't love you because of where you came from and how wicked your family was and what you've done. But in the midst of a war, God told Jeremiah to tell the inhabitants of Jerusalem, tell them, I have loved you with an everlasting love. And there's nothing you can do to keep me from loving you. And I will love you completely forever. I'd been a Christian about three years. I was at Old Roberts University in a worship service. And I was, I was just eating the scripture up. And in the middle of a worship service, I made a vow to the Lord. And I said, Lord, no matter what happens... No matter who betrays me, no matter how bad things go, I make a vow today. I will never doubt your love for me for the rest of my life. Because you demonstrated your love that while I was a sinner, Christ died for me. Now, here's a great theological question. Who are these rebels? Have you thought about it? Could they be these guys? Who are they? Well, here's who I think they are. They are the descendants of people who came to Christ during the tribulation. Christians were raptured sometime during. People that didn't receive Christ were slain by the Lord Jesus. But there will be a lot of people, maybe a billion people that will come to Christ during the tribulation. It will be the greatest move of God in history And so they will still be in their mortal bodies when Jesus comes back and he starts ruling there in the millennium. And the parents or grandparents were survivors of this tribulation period. Now, I may be wrong, but this is my thought. And so the children born to them during the millennium, they got to decide if they're going to follow God or not. And they have free will. We see free will in this passage. And we see two characters. We see Magog, who is mentioned in Ezekiel 38 and 39, and we, who is the grandson of Noah, a real man. Here is a map I want you to see when Noah got off the ark. His grandson Magog immigrated north of the Black Sea and the Caspian Sea and built a pretty significant empire there. These, this map shows where Noah's several generations of children where they settled. Gog may be the leader, the human leader of this rebellion And the rebellion is known as Magog, like we have ISIS today. And it, these names are representative too of some of God's ancient enemies that we saw during the Armageddon Wars 1,000 years earlier. So the rebellion that Satan inspires will go worldwide. Where do you get that? It says the four corners. And he brings these people and he brings these armies to Jerusalem. And I think it's going to be billions of people because it's like the sands of the seashore. And my word is not a biblical word is these People are turned, kind of like some of the zombie movies and TV shows, and they are deceived mutineers who revolt and bring war against the capital city, Jerusalem. If you've never been, it's my favorite place in all the earth, 
And John writes, it's the beloved city. It's the most important city on the face of the earth. Now, we just read it, but every one of the insurgents, they are dispatched by fire from heaven, and the war is instantly over. Now, I want you to pay attention. This part will not be fun, but we're going to talk about it. The Bible talks about something called the lake of fire. Jesus spoke about it five times in the book of Revelation, and your pastor does not like to talk about it. I don't. And I don't believe Jesus liked to talk about it. No human was ever meant to be here. It's reserved for the devil and his angels. You say, well, Steve, I don't like the thought of this. I don't want to think about this. I may even subconsciously reject it. I got it. But I would ask you, instead of rejecting it, why don't you do something about it? Well, like what? Why don't you become a soul winner? Only 5% of American Christians have ever led anybody to Jesus. 5%. You say, I don't know how to do that. We have a ministry called Evangelism Explosion that will train you. I had the training 40 years ago, and I share my faith on a regular basis, and people come to Christ just about every week. If you didn't know this, there's thousands of people in Lexington that want to know God, and they can't find a single Christian to talk to them about it. And yeah, we can talk about cars, 57 Chevy. We can, we know all the rules for soccer. We know how to build a barn. We know we're really good at playing chess. We know a lot about planting flowers. We can talk about a thousand things, but we don't talk about the most important thing because we're not comfortable. Get comfortable. It's easy. It's not hard to do. Jesus said, if you follow me, I will make you fishers. If I can make my little thing go. Did I do something back there? Ah, did I do that or did you guys do that? Just keep doing it because I don't think I know what I'm doing. So, He said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men and women and boys and girls. Next slide, please, sir. The lake of fire is the final destination for the devil, for the Antichrist, for the false prophet. Keep going, please, sir. I love this painting here. Keep going, please. And for all fallen angels, and fallen angels, once worshipers of God, are now what we call unclean spirits or demons. Next, please. This word brimstone is used in the passage. I never want to use a word and not define it. We don't talk about it. Let me tell you what it is. It is the element sulfur. It is ash. It is flowing lava. It is brilliant flame. All that is brimstone. Next, please. The word is found 14 times in Scripture. And every time it is in Scripture, there is punishment to go with it. 
Next. The beings that are sent here, it's a time of pain and a time of regret. Remember I said no human was ever designed to go here. Keep going, please. D. Day and night, the scripture says, they have torment. It is unceasing. Next, please. This passage tells us, this is Jesus' words, they'll be tormented forever and ever, which tells me there's no second chance. Next, please. But this not only includes those super beings, it's for every person that rejects Christ who never got their names placed in the Lamb's Book of Life. Is your name there? Next, please. So, decision time. Worship team, would you come, please? If you're in a season of rebellion from God, it's because you've been listening to the liar of all liars. Rebelling is not smart. And why would you ever listen to a liar? Point C, please. What do I do? Surrender your life to Jesus Christ. Let him heal you. Let him forgive you. And let him make you a new creation. And last... It's a decision every person on the planet has to make because we decide where we're going to spend eternity. If you were to die today, where would you go? Are you a rebel? Or have you given your heart to Christ? I want to close this part in prayer and I want the altar workers to come up and stand and be available to pray for people. Every head bowed, every eye closed, please. I was 18 when I gave my heart to Christ and it's the best decision I ever made. Not only changed me, changed my entire family. And it took. So with your heads bowed and your eyes closed and you friends watching online, if you would like to be forgiven, if you'd like to be a child of God, and have heaven as your home, why don't you pray with me sincerely right now? Pray with me and say, Lord Jesus, that's right, Lord Jesus, I need you. Come into my heart today. Be my Savior and Lord. Forgive me of every sin and wash me clean. Give me a home in heaven. And I give you my life today. Help me to live for you the rest of my life in Jesus' name. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you just prayed that prayer, hold your hand up right now. Hold your hand up right now. Wonderful. Anybody else? Anybody else? Wonderful. Anybody else? As we worship, the altar is open. The Lord's table is here. You have people that will pray for you. Maybe you need healing. Maybe you need encouragement. Maybe you got somebody not doing well and you want somebody to greet. But if you prayed to receive Christ with me, I want you to come down. I'll be right down here. And I want to greet you and tell you what's next. Let's worship, please.
So I had this word this morning, I was praying, and I felt like the Lord laid on my heart, specifically for this service, that there would be a man in here who has an issue with their tongue of some of some sort. So uh, however that registers, if that registers with some, somebody, a man in here, something about the tongue. So we're going to continue to worship. If you need to pick up your kids, you can continue to worship, but pick up your kids, bring them back. Uh, we ask that you just continue to worship, pray, let this be a time of prayer and fellowship of worship in here as we continue to worship. But if you need to go grab your kids, go grab your kids, and then God bless. Have a good day. Thank you for joining us online at Church of the Savior today. We hope you are encouraged to grow in your walk with Jesus. If you've made a decision to follow Jesus for the first time today, please reach out to us. We would love to help you take your next step. Please visit our website for information on upcoming events and how you can connect with our COS family. There is also a prayer request form where you can let us know how we can pray for you. Thanks again for tuning in. Hope to see you next week.